Waterfall, the CCW podcast. Hello and welcome to Waterfall. It's the water saving podcast brought to you by CCW. That's the Consumer Council for Water. This is a podcast that is all about water. I'm Mike and I'm here with my amazing co-host. It's me, it's Karen. (laughs) Well, it's always great when you come back for another one, Karen. So, you know, it's always a winner for a waterfall when you're here. Um, But we've got an exciting episode today because we are going global. We are going to find out all about Malawi, the water situation there. We've got a fabulous guest on. There's some amazing insights that we are going to be hearing in this episode. But before we do that, Mike... I just wanted to give a shout out to Tony in New York, USA. New York? Wow. I know. Tony wrote to us, or should I say emailed, just to tell us that he's been following the podcast, adopting some of our tips. And the thing that I was particularly interested in, as you, you'll know only too well, is the fact that one of the things that is key to his uh, rainwater saving is the use of water butts. Now, he's been using that water to top up the toilet system and so he's using rainwater to flush his toilets wow and that's amazing i was really struck by the there's a very tangible savings that he's been making too i also was um uh struck by the tips that he's actually suggested in his email that we weren't really aware of because he was using condensate so the condensation from a, a heat pump and reusing that water and also using condensate from a um, air conditioning system as well and using that water and I mean I can understand where we're not so familiar with that here in in the UK because you know heat pumps and air conditioning you know it never really gets that warm well except for last summer so but but you know we're learning too so it was great for, for that Tony got in touch it was such a lovely email when I sent it to you what was your reaction do you remember it was such a nice email you said did you write that yourself Mike <laughs> <laughs> you did didn't you <laughs> I must admit, you know, you and Tom were always talking to me about, you know, our um, impact on countries around the world. And I was a little bit suspicious that we got that far afield. <laughs> I can't believe you have such a low opinion of me now, Karen. But do you know what? This this just shows though that every time I put you on the spot and say, what's our email address? This is paying off, right? <laughs> It is. Just about, yes. No, but it, genuinely lovely to hear from Tony. It was interesting. I, I The day opened up. I'd had a really long day at work. I was absolutely exhausted. And I read that email. And you and you just, something like that lands. It just gave you such a boost. So go on. Listeners, we love hearing from you. And it is and it is great to hear from you. And don't forget, we do have an email address, don't we, Karen? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. And that is podcast at ccwater.org.uk. So please use it. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, as people are doing. And don't forget, we also have an Instagram feed, uh, which is Waterfall Podcast. So on to today's episode. This is super exciting. We are venturing globally and we are first port of call is Malawi. And it's, it's a great pleasure to welcome Arthur Malanzi to the Waterfall Podcast. Arthur is a UK resident now, but was born in Malawi and kind of flips between the two countries and does a lot of work both in UK and Malawi, including water projects. So it is time to bring on the guest. This podcast is brought to you by CCW, the voice for water consumers. So it's great to welcome Arthur here to Waterfall. Arthur, really great to have you on the show. You are the first of our international guests. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, excited to be here. Great. Um, so just before we get into watery stuff, just help orientate both me, Tom, Karen, and the listeners. And just tell us a bit about Malawi. 
Malawi is probably one of the best countries you've never heard of. Um, <laughs> if, if we just go statistically, one of the poorest countries in the world, but one of it's also ranked uh, the happiest country in the world. That says something in itself. Exactly. Uh, it's southeast of Africa. It borders Mozambique, Tanzania, and Zambia. And so a landlocked country. It's a landlocked country. Uh, and it also hosts the third largest freshwater lake in Africa and the seventh largest or the eighth largest freshwater lake in the world. Wow. So I'm guessing water resources are no problem there. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be interesting. Let's let's yeah, see what we'll we are <laughs> during our chat. You know. So we were doing some research on it, and yeah. it looks amazing. Like it looked like for not a big country, it looked like in terms of geography, it seemed to have it all. Yes, it, it is beautiful. Uh, the landscape is amazing. The landscape is literally breathtaking. Um, you, we have nice nature reserves you know wild animals you could you know we've got good cities as well uh good beaches you know i'm talking you could be in a beach in malawi and think you're somewhere in hawaii or bahamas or so something. this is a beach on lake malawi right? on lake malawi correct uh interesting story i went I, I went to a music festival in malawi in 2017 and it was in the most remote part of malawi along the lake and uh, we found this beautiful, beautiful resort where we stayed. And the couple that owned that particular resort are from Nottingham. They went to Malawi on holiday, ended up selling their house while they were in Malawi, and they bought this place, and they've never moved back. <laughs> wow. And another fun fact, <laughs> they lived a street down the road from where I grew up in Nottingham. In Nottingham? Yes. Wow. Small <laughs> world. Did they give you free entry into this concert? <laughs> no, the the, concert, the the festival was like somewhere else. We just stayed this. We just stayed at this place because it was the closest place yeah, yeah. to where the festival was. Yeah, oh, amazing. So let's dig into water. Tell us the um, well. We should be diving into water, surely. I mean, Tom should be picking me up, not using enough water. Extracting, puns. isn't there? Yeah, uh, right, yeah. So well, let's, let's it, dive into it, water. It depends on how you look at it. You can also be digging into water and yeah. yes, also you touch can. on that. Exactly. I see what you did there. That's good. Yeah. I like this. Right. I think well, we should well, be. Well. Let's be. Stop it, Tom. We should. Re- your, your your job is on the line, Tom. Okay. Sorry. I'm going for Arthur as a new coach. Okay. I agree. I agree. Yeah, so just tell us a bit about the water situation in, in Malawi in terms of access to clean water. You know, it, you've already said it, it, Malawi is not a, not a rich country. Yeah. Um, so what's this? Just, just tell us a bit about the situation. Um, considering that twenty one percent of Malawi is actually covered by fresh water, only about ninety percent of the population have access to clean drinking water. You know, ninety. Ninety. So sorry, sorry, sorry. 90% of the population do not have access. Oh, do not? Do not have access to clean drinking well, water. Well, so when you say access, that's in their house. Yeah. 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 Correct. Okay. Wow. So that's, wow, that's yeah. quite a fact. It, it is a fact, uh, considering that water is in abundance. But yeah, access to clean drinking water is a problem. So is so the infrastructure just not there? Is that the Inf- situation? L- lack of infrastructure. Uh, unfortunately, Malawi is one of those countries that has I, I want to say developed backwards uh the the lack of development uh and infrastructure is really what has hindered access to water for uh, and just basic uh resources to the local people so the um in terms of the distribution now and get, I'm I'm making, I have a hazard I guess it's cities and it would tend to have 
access to fresh water in the houses. Yeah, yeah, the the city, the cities. So the uh, I'll say they about four or five, arguably major cities in Blanta in in Malawi. Uh, who will have access to water, but even then, you will see that the water will only span maybe, I'll say, ten kilometers from the cent- from the center. Right. In terms so it's of very localized. Water, yeah, it's very, it's very, networks. it's very localized water networks and water distribution. Even the fact that we've got, um, e- even for the for the cities where water is readily available, is still rationed. You know, so you will have days where there's no water supply in the in the capital city. You know, and this is a real thing. Wow. So water rationing, that's so that's commonplace. That is very common. That is very common um, because what happens is the the major cities are some distance away from the fresh water source, i.e. the lake. And keeping in mind, Malawi also has a lot of uh, freshwater springs. So there's a lot of bottled water everywhere in Malawi, yeah. But what what has happened is people find water sources and then they'll build a little fence around it and then they'll put a pump and bottling plant right next to it and then they bottle the water and then they're making businesses out of it and you find that the local community outside of that fence perimeter don't have access to clean water. So does that build resentment then amongst those local communities? Um, you you know the term that the rich get richer apply yeah. very much applies to Malawi, right? Very much applies to Malawi. Uh, there is no equal distribution of wealth. Uh, there certainly isn't a welfare system. Uh, and the challenge is majority of the people that live in remote parts got used to the way of life that they don't see this as a problem, you know? It's the whole question about, you know, what what is what is poverty, really and truly, you know? If you go to the most remote part of the world, you find that people are living in mud huts and they're not wearing shoes, and they've existed like that for generations. But the moment you go there and give one child a pair of shoes, all of a sudden it highlights the fact that everybody else doesn't have shoes, you know? It's the same thing where you go in a village where they used to walking 10 kilometers to get water. And the day you give someone a bike, all of a sudden everyone else is lazy because it's now a chore. You've highlighted the fact that there's an issue. So the people have gotten used to the way they live now. You know, it's only, uh, I suppose, uh, the, we have a lot more access now to um, the country based on aspirations, business aspirations or uh, climate aspirations. We're now accessing parts of the country that we wouldn't have otherwise accessed and realizing that, wait, there's something really wrong here. You know, there are people that have lived that we haven't, that we have almost forgotten, you know, that we haven't really catered to. We haven't thought of let's make water accessible to them. You know, so and and this is a real issue in Malawi. So yeah, you've just introduced so many follow-up questions. <laughs> point where to start on this. Um, for the communities that don't have access, that you you've just sort of name-checked that you know some of us to go ten kilometers. Is is that the sort of typical situation, or would it, would a uh, uh, village in towns have have wells? You know, I'm just trying to get a, a flavour for how far would people have to travel to to access water. It's 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 interesting. It's almost like the. I believe there are parts of Malawi where they don't have access to whales. You know, I I, I certainly believe this. Not even believe this. It is a, it is a fact, mm. you know, that they have to walk 10, 15 kilometers to get water. 
you know, I'll, I'll give you a real example. We were driving through a very remote part and we came across this beautiful hospital that was uh, built by uh, a missionary. And we went into the hospital thinking, oh, this is exciting. It's in a very remote part. Let's just talk to the people and find out who, how the hospital came about, how many people are servicing, etc. And I was saddened with the fact that the hospital is not functional. They had patients, but it's not functional because they don't have any water. And I said, and I thought, oh, is this maybe, you know, rationing? Is it that you haven't got water for a few days? Like, no, I haven't had water for a year, you know? And in the mater- maternity ward, um, when they have, when, when they have, um, a birth, for example, they have to walk five kilometers to get water from a whale to bring it back to the hospital. Wow. That's, I mean, that's an incredibly sad story that you've got facilities that can't be used properly. Correct. And that just shows, even that little story, just how access to water and development are intrinsically linked. Absolutely. You know, we should never forget that when we're looking at, you know, um, projects to to you know, open up access to water i've got a question going back to the rotor cuts though as well yeah and the rationing yes are people are people given warning then or is it just random you know so you wake up and there's no water or, or, or are you giving advice <laughs> you could be in the shower with soap and shower <laughs> okay, and okay. the water will stop yeah right. yeah so it's it's that random it's that random um I went to, I was in Malawi in November last year, and I remember this one particular day, I drove from the field where we were doing some work, like in a very remote part, and I say, right, I'm looking forward to going to the capital city, because I just want to relax, have a nice hot shower, and I got there, there was no electricity, no water. Wow. At the hotel. And this is in the capital? This is in the capital. Exactly. And I'm covered in mud, because I've been in the field all day, I was just looking forward to this just having a shower and there was no water for five days. Wow. Yeah. And so we're, we've talked about um, availability and access and reliability. What about quality? Uh, is, is, is water safe to drink? Water is safe to drink. Uh, water is safe to drink. Uh, like I say, even uh, Lake Malawi, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful place, fresh water. And um, for, for those that have access to water, it's very safe to drink. Yeah. But what tends to happen uh, during rainy season, all the water gets contaminated. Uh, so like currently, so rainy season starts in December. Currently, Malawi is battling an issue of cholera because of water contaminated. So all of a sudden, the water wells are not as safe to drink. But these are the only sources of water for the people in the local, in the rural parts of the country. And you find it that, you know, it's literally they have to gamble their life to drink that water because there isn't any other, there aren't any other sources of water. And that's a gamble people shouldn't have to take. Exactly. If if I show you the cholera statistics today, you think you're looking at COVID numbers. Wow. Yeah. But this is not, again, because this is a local problem, it's not an an international problem. You know, it's it's easy to overlook because when you're far away from something like that it doesn't really affect you it doesn't really affect it doesn't even register on your on your radar as far as having any sort of feeling towards it or yeah. even an understanding that it's happening and young children are dying every single day just because they can't drink out of they just because they haven't got clean water 
Right, it's a classic out of sight, out of mind. Out of sight, out and of mind. That, it does not make it right. I mean, that, and, yeah, and, 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 and the thing is, it even happens uh, in country. Yes, yes, is, you can see the government efforts are there to say, right, you know, let's create awareness and, you know, let's uh, uh, promote uh, vaccinations, etc. But this is a problem problem that's occurring every year. I would have expected by now that we would have been a little bit further down the road and have some more permanent solutions. You know, this is a problem that we see every rainy season, but we're always reacting to it instead of planning for it. You know, and this is always the challenge. And where I suppose the balance is uh, when you're uh, a poor country, let's let's use that term, um, there'll always be something that will be more, that will take priority. You know, you're always constantly reacting to something. Uh, it's hard to plan for those things. Just like, I mean, f- I, I was when I was in Malawi, uh, November and part of December, there was a fuel shortage. There was a fuel crisis, you know, cars queuing up five, six miles waiting for petrol, you know, just to fuel up your tank. And you're queuing up for six miles, not because there's the, the pumps are working, but because you're hoping that the petrol station will have a delivery for fuel so that you can get yours before it runs out. You know, so this is a priority at a time where we're approaching rainy season. So we can't exactly, the government can't exactly plan for water, you know, in December and January because they're, all their resources are focused on how we're we going to get cars back on the road. So yeah. you get into a constant cycle of firefighting and knee-jerk reaction rather than planning. I was going to ask you about the kind of progress. How has this changed over, say, the last 10 years? Have you seen marked progress? There, there, there certainly has been progress. Uh, I think Malawi as a, as a country, like I say, we uh, have come to the realization that Malawi is very rich in minerals. So that has attracted a lot of international companies coming in to carry out uh, mineral exploration. And as part of their corporate social responsibility, they're now, you know, saying, right, what can we do? And everyone, everyone is waking up to the realization of we're in a very remote part. Where do we get water? You know, so therefore we're now looking for water underneath, uh, beneath the ground rather, to provide uh, access to water for. And there is groundwater there. There is a lot of groundwater. Um, we did an exercise in November, uh, in November last year, where we literally mapped out the area that we're currently working and we identified bodies of water. So now we actually start drilling next month, uh, so we can actually provide. Uh, the local people access to water. Yeah, so just tell me a bit more about the the work that you're doing specifically because you're looking at uh, mineral extraction, right? So so at the moment we're doing mineral exploration. Uh, Malawi is a landlocked country, but it is also very rich in minerals. Um, I think we it's safe to say that it's still early stages for the extractive industry in Malawi. Uh, at the moment, the... I can almost say the claim to fame in the in this particular industry is they found a uh, a company found the largest rutile deposit in the world. Um, I don't know what that is, so tell our listeners <laughs> just in case they're as stupid as I am. Uh, if if I can put it in layman's terms, rutile is used in paint. Is 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 the is is one of the components that's used in paint. 
That's right. that's the easiest way I can put it. Uh, it. It is a lot more complex than that in in nature, but I no, I like I things in simple terms. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, that's so helpful. Really yeah, helpful. yeah. So um, yeah, but Malawi has you know everything. I mean, we've there's a known deposit for uranium. There's a uranium mine now. Um, there is there was a bit of a gold rush a, a couple of years ago. Uh, where farmers, you know, started finding finding gold nuggets in their farms. So, so, so Malawi has very interesting stories when you really look at the uh, extractive industry. But like I say, it's still in its infancy. I don't think we have the big story yet. Uh, but I believe that big story is coming because there's a a lot of uh, Canadian, British, uh, Australian companies, listed companies that are, are now have boots on the ground and. Our company is a local company, but of course with international ties. So we're doing some work in that space, but with the idea of creating small clusters of prosperity in rural areas. And what I mean by clusters of prosperity, we the initiative that we've taken is to identify water sources underground uh, and then putting access to that water. So putting boreholes, uh, uh, creating water wells with... Um, uh, solar panel pumps so that at least they can have it's 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 not a long process for them to draw the water uh but not only creating water for drinking and you know for for livelihood as it were but we're also creating water for farming and we're creating water for animal feed you know so with the idea of once we empower the local people and giving them like this basic natural resource which is vital to life we can now encourage them to get into farming. You know, we can start to create jobs. So we're trying to create in the areas that we're working, we're trying to create small clusters of prosperity where we build their own economy, where they can trade um, with each other. And, and not only that, um, one of the things that we're also doing with the farmers, for example, we provide them with all their inputs, but we also provide them with a offtake agreement for their excess. So first of all, you have to feed your family, but you also need a market because one of the largest challenges, I suppose, in Africa, for Malawi, for example, Malawi has a lot of fruit, right? Uh, you, you, you can literally, like, you can drive down the road and there'll be mangoes, watermelons, like, you name it, organic, yeah? But it's seasonal, you know? And we don't have, you only sort of, like, enjoy it for that season, we don't have uh, drying facilities. We're not making juices. We're not, you know, we're not diversifying the, the produce. So what we're trying to do is give these local people who are in remote parts the ability for them to grow uh, crops for themselves, but to also give them an offtake agreement where we are now starting to speak to um, other international companies to give us offtake agreements so we can export. So. Where we can add value in country, we'll add value in country so that the farmers get the full benefit of their work. So this is something that we're doing as part of our uh, corporate social responsibility. But we also and, and it's part and parcel of who we are and what we do as a business, because we realize, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like when you go into some of these remote parts, it almost seems like a metaphor that you see people that are so poor, yet the ground that they live is so rich in minerals. So what we're trying to do is educate them. We're not going there to take 
from them, but we want to say, right, this is what we found. How can we make sure that the deposits and the resources that we found benefit the community at large, you know, so that they should be the recipients, not only for what we'll do after the exploration, but while we're doing the exploration, let's empower them. Let's give them water. Let's, you know, if they are schools, let's let's help them to develop and build those schools. So we're doing a lot of outreach in that regard. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. Be sure to head back through the archives and check out all the past episodes of Waterfall. It was interesting as you were talking there. I was the phrase you just said, it was actually virtually in my mind. I was thinking you were just you paint a picture of a country that's rich, but not wealthy. Yeah. Um, but with so much potential, right? A lot of potential. A lot of potential. And I, I believe <laughs> it will take a lot of changes, um, political changes. Uh, but I believe Malawi as a country, 20 years from now, will be will, out, will outgrow as far as uh, trajectory on development, will outgrow some of the countries in the West. Only because, like, I'll give you an example. We, when we were doing this water project, we stopped at a place, and one of the geologists I, I traveled with, he picked up a stone, a small stone about that big, you know, like the size of a, a index figure, finger, and brought it back, took it to the lab, and they started testing it to see what it was. It could be just a rock or anything. And it has a high concentration of cobalt. You know, cobalt is what all the electric uh, car manufacturing, automotive industry is, is that's, that's one of the uh, critical minerals that they're actually looking for. You know, at the moment, 70% of the cobalt that's used in all car manufacturing comes from Congo. And we know that in Congo, you know, there's issues of child labor. There's, you know, there's all sorts of issues there. But Malawi, here's Malawi on the on the southeast of Africa, untapped, you know, no real political issues on the surface, no conflict. One of the most peaceful countries, underexplored. And we've been able to find, you know, strong concentration of cobalt on the surface. You know, so, so I know that eventually if Malawi plays the extractive industry right and not just sell it off, it can actually uh, develop into into uh, a, a nice little hub in the southeast of Africa. Loads of potential. I, I want to talk about toilets because um, Tom's smirking. Because um, <laughs> you know, we we've, we've talked about access to water. Um, we've talked about access to water. But what about the, uh, the sanitation side of things, the toilet side of things? Um, what's the situation there? I can almost say that same statistic of 90% of people haven't got access to clean water. It's almost a similar number that haven't got access to toilets. And you've already mentioned cholera. And if yes. you don't have you know, basic sanitation sorted, diseases are going to be an issue right so what, what you find so so toilets is, is one of those things that it's almost like a forgotten conversation you know because even even you know when you see you, you, you just go outside even here in the uk go outside and when you see a homeless man you don't think did they have access to a toilet that's the last thing on your mind in fact it, it's probably never even crossed your mind but you certainly think have they had something to eat you know, you certainly think it's very cold outside. Can I give them, you know, 
how do they stay warm? You know, so it's almost like when we, we it's, it's toilets is 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 it's a very interesting conversation, and I feel like it's the forgotten conversation even even in developing countries, because it's almost like you you look at the needs of a person are so severe that toilet is doesn't even register on the radar. Mm. So at the moment, sanitation is is is. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's not even, it doesn't even make the conversation. But we know that it's it's bad, you know. People haven't got access to toilets. And and, and one of the saddest things, um, for instance, about Lake Malawi, for example, it's, 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 you know, you find that a lot of waste, well, it's not a lot, in the, to be fair, it's not a lot of waste, but some waste goes into, the, into Lake Malawi, as it were, um, which is why some of the, it, it, yes, it's the fresh water source, but for the local people, because they can't, they drink from the shore, it's also contaminated somewhat, you know, so you find it's, yeah, toilets is the, is the forgotten conversation. No, they haven't got access to toilets. In the rural parts uh, of the country, they um, have their man-made toilets where they dig a hole in the ground, as it were, um, and that seems to be the only form of toilet that's actually available. And as part of your project work, are you? So we are looking. We, we are we are looking at sanitation, uh, but we we realize the biggest thing that we need to tackle first is water access to water, sanitation. You find most of the villages that you you come across in the rural parts, they will have uh, their own toilets where they've dug a hole in the ground and. Uh, put maybe a bit of uh, wood and dirt to make sure that they secure the ground so that you don't fall in, etc. And then cover it with mud with a little hole. It's very descriptive. The only way I can describe it is I've seen toilets like this in a hotel in China <laughs> where it's a hole in the floor. That's the only way I can describe it. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's a big deal, though, the, the toilet issue, particularly for teenage girls, people who are girls, hit, women and uh, girls that are hitting their periods. And, you know, we're deliberate by calling these sort of issues out on what's for because, you know, uh, it's it, it's topics the topics that we must talk about, even Absolutely. if people feel a bit awkward. And I think, you know, we've got to be very, we, we have to be kind of making sure we don't skip some of these kind of issues because you talk about development opportunities and we want equal opportunities. And Correct. when you look about, talk about sanitation, we've got to think about a cohort of people who are exactly. being disproportionately affected absolutely and 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 you couldn't have said it better you know it's it's one of those things that we uh it's, it's certainly at the forefront uh, of our minds and what we do especially uh girls for example or women i should say because the uh, extractive industry or mining industry if we call it that for now is is almost heavily male dominated you know and it is for that reason why we've actually uh, partnered with the Women's Foundation that was actually set up by my wife. Um, because I didn't feel comfortable working in an industry where, uh, one, j just putting it out there, we try, our goal as a company is to ensure that 50%, more than 50% of our staff are women, you know. We have to find a way of making that work. You know, we're recruiting female geologists. We are even our management is predominantly women, just because we understand the importance of empowering women in developing countries. You know, in the in the West, yes, we've 
kind of sort of cracked it. It's still a, it's still a, well, ongoing, yeah, yeah. It's still an ongoing kind of, conversation. Kind of, I mean, kind, being, kind yeah, of, I mean, kind, of there, yeah. kind of being the operative yeah, term there. Yeah. But in developing countries, it's, 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 the situation is dire. It's, mm. it's bad. It's bad. It's almost like we, in Malawi, we've just managed to, uh, stop child marriages, you know, some years back, you know, very recent, I, I should say. Um, and, and, yeah, there just isn't the same opportunity for women, young women and girls. And mm-hmm. sanitation is one of those things. Like I say, it, it's almost taboo uh, for a girl to be on a period in some rural parts. So again, it's about bringing the education and making sure that the the right facilities are in place. You know, it's 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 not something that I, I believe will uh, overcome overnight. But I think if we all do our part. You know, and certainly one of the things that I've that's impressed upon our company is to ensure that irrespective of whether we find what we're looking for in the exploration or not, we need to ensure that we leave the people in those communities better than we found them. And that's key. Good, good mantra to have. Um, I mean, and I totally agree with what you're saying about the uh, about tackling some of these issues, because even if it's super awkward to talk about it and we're pushing ourselves out of our comfort zone, yeah. we shouldn't avoid it. The worst thing we can do is, is, is avoid some of these tricky issues. So okay. it's, it's great what you're trying to do there. I'm, I'm conscious that um, one of the things that we want to do on Waterfall, right, uh-huh. is to try and empower people in terms of understanding what they can do to save water and uh-huh. not do the wrong things with their toilets. But part of that empowerment is about volume water and your attitude yes. to water. And, and you know, you've, you've lived in the UK for quite a number of years now, right? 21 years, Yeah, yes. and you're, you, so you've kind of got one foot in Malawi and one foot in the UK, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, we, we absolutely take water and sewage services for granted in, in, in the UK. What's the general attitude in Malawi towards, towards, towards water and sanitation? Water is precious. I can tell you that water is precious. Um, it's almost, uh, water is a luxury in Malawi. You know, it's a luxury commodity that's awarded to the few that have the money to afford it, you know, and, and that's just the reality of it. Um, you know, you, you know, like if you, if you go to, um, you don't really get street vendors here. So that wouldn't be the right example, but yeah, no, water is a luxury. Yeah. Water is a luxury in, in Malawi, the attitude towards water, people don't waste water. You know, they, you know, you, you'll find in houses, you, even in the cities, you'll find that in the houses where they have access to water, they'll always store some water for, for that one day where there's no access to water anywhere. So it is a luxury. It is a luxury. It is a commodity, you know, a very, almost, I would say, a rare commodity in a country that's covered by water, pretty much. You know, so the attitude towards water in Malawi and in the UK, very different. I think in the UK, we're very wasteful uh, in that regard. I mean, I, I'm guilty of this. And even, you know, just sometimes watch, watching, you know, putting the dishwasher on, for example, I think is it necessary? You know, I can, can I, you know, so so I think it's 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 something that we don't really, it's not on the forefront of our conscious. Even in, in the time where uh, cost of living is high, utilities are so high, I'm more conscious about my gas and electric than I am my water. You know, if I want to have a 20-minute shower, 
Not that I, I recommend it. I'm just saying. Yeah, it's not something that, like, like I say, I'm, I'm very conscious about water. But I'm just saying, like, in, in, in the UK, you find that it's, it's people waste water. You know, we water the grass in the summer. Is it necessary? I mean, no, you're absolutely right. You know, uh, is 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 it, is, it, is is it necessary for sprinklers to be on in certain parts of the country? I, I I don't think it is. You know, I really genuinely don't think it is. You know, so uh, even the way we not just not just even water in homes, even businesses. You know, the amount of times I see uh, a burst pipe and water running for like weeks on end and nobody has done anything about it you know stuff like that for me is uh, concerning you know because like i say this is a in in other in the pl- parts where i visit in this world it's a luxury you know so the longer you've lived in the uk have you felt yourself getting more complacent towards your attitude towards water no 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 i i, I must say one of the things that i, I haven't I've struggled to shake off growing up, um, you know, I, 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 my family did okay. And uh, because of the issues that we've just been talking about, I was always taught to drink bottled water, for example, you know, and it's, it's something that I've carried. Because of concerns about water quality. Concerns about yeah. water quality. And it's something that I've carried on even until now, you know, in my adult life. Uh, so drinking bottled water, even drinking though you're in the water. UK, yeah, exactly. Oh, but you don't need to do that. I know, but but it's just, it's, I guess it's a mind thing. It's it's something. It's a personal battle that I'm trying yeah, to yeah, overcome. Yeah. And again, I'm also conscious of the uh, amount of plastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, so one of the things that we have actually invested in is a water filter. You know, which is still in the box from Christmas. But we, <laughs> you need to get out of the box, right? But we'll get it Seriously, out of the box. We've got yeah. world class drinking water in the yeah. UK. But, but, but I must say, though, um, exposure is everything. You know, when you travel and see how uh, experience, culture, experience, how uh, the things that other people put of value, naturally, you, you'll always be conscious on the pound you spend the way you use water, the way you use electricity, you always be conscious of all of those things, you know. So for just looking at UK and Malawi, yes, I can say we can be a little bit overindulgent here in the UK. And Malawi water is definitely a luxury and everyone cherishes water. Yeah, fantastic. I don't want to stop, actually. Literally, this is fascinating. Mm -hmm. and probably the most serious edition of Waterfall we've had, which um, which isn't a bad thing, by the way, because yeah. very, very powerful stuff. Um, but I think we should just change tight slightly. Just to, to finish, yeah. tell us what you love the most about Malawi. Because, Ooh. you know, we've talked about issues yes. of water, and I don't... I, I, when I looked up Malawi, yeah. it, I, I, my first reaction was, what one was... What, what, I didn't have a clue this was such an amazing, diverse country. And it's like one of those, when can I go? <laughs> okay. So Malawi, oh, it's, by the way, it's called the warm heart of Africa. Yeah. And it's called the warm heart of Africa for a reason. Malawi weather is beautiful. Uh, the, like I said, the landscape, I said this at the beginning, the landscape is amazing. And most importantly, the people are the friendliest you ever meet in your life. You know, I have an interesting story. I had a a, a client um, from London, you know, some years back, 
And he went to, he came with me to Malawi for the first time and he was blown away. He was like, this is amazing. We went to the lake, you know, freshwater lake, clear water. He went snorkeling, we went on boats. It was amazing. The food is amazing because it's organic. Um, he had a great time. Of course, we were there for work. And then I remember him, we were sitting like outside of the hotel on a balcony and he called his wife, you know, he said, I would love for you to come to Malawi, please. Like, we're here for another week. Just come. Uh, I think it was a Thursday. He was like, if you can leave tomorrow, I'll book you a flight. Leave tomorrow. Come to Malawi. Just come for a weekend or just a few days. Uh, she lived in Chelsea and she had never been anywhere near Africa. She's traveled the world, well traveled, in fact. Um, and she absolutely refused. She says, I've got no interest. There's nothing for me to do. You're there for work. This is you dragging me along to another one of your work things, isn't it? <laughs> he said, no, it's like I've just had the most incredible experience and I want to share it with you. Anyway, he managed to convince her. She said, right, I'm going to come for two days. Yeah. She came. It's a 14 hour flight, by the way, uh, with a connection in, in Ethiopia. She got to Malawi. Uh, she was in a bad mood because I picked her up. I picked her up from the airport so I could just tell that she did not <laughs> want to be there. And then to make it worse, we had to drive for three hours to the lake. She got there. I sort of like left my client with his wife. You know, they had a great weekend. Once you in a bad mood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, she thought, oh, airport to the hotel would be like 20 minutes. I was like, no, it's a three-hour drive. We got to, we've got to go near the lake, to the lake. Um, she was coming for three days. She ended up staying in Malawi for six months. Wow. And started volunteering at a school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. An endorsement? Yeah. She stayed in Malawi. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> we we left. The day that we, we left, she says, No, I can't get on the plane. She says, I'm in love with this place. I cannot believe that I even refused or even had, you know I was I almost didn't get on the plane. She was like, I'll be frank, I did I almost didn't get on the plane because I didn't care about coming here. She ended up staying there for six months volunteered at a school and I've got so many stories like this you know I've got so many stories I met someone at the airport we're sitting in the lounge and it was like oh where are you going I was like oh Malawi he goes oh interestingly enough my wife and I British couple they say we went to Malawi 15 years ago and we go to and we go every year now since then our kids are now 13 and we're taking them to Malawi for the first time because they want them to experience what we've experienced and I could tell you so many stories like this so many stories where people go to Malawi and they just think, great, I'm staying here. Because it's so peaceful. It's, it's not it's not one of those places where you look over your shoulder or you're concerned about. And everyone is very friendly. Everyone is very, very friendly. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just... I mean, I mean, when can I go? Yeah, yeah. The, the climate is amazing. The food is amazing. And if, if you want to see a bit of wildlife, not even a little bit, you can see the whole spectrum of wildlife. It's incredible. The, the nature reserves, they are fantastic. You know, the food is amazing. They have the world's best gin. I still stand by that. <laughs> I still stand by that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. I think uh, uh, for everyone listening... If you can, or if you've never been to Malawi, I would strongly recommend it. Arthur, it's been brilliant to speak to you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for um, having me on. You know, doing, doing the research for us, I wanted to go. I want to go even more now. Um, but thank you for sharing with us. And, you know, it's been so insightful. 
And it'd be great to have you back on in the future. I'll be, uh, yeah, most definitely. I'd love to to come and share what we're doing. Um, yeah, especially hear about some of your projects done. once they're done. Yeah. Awesome. Nice one. Thank you. CCW, passionate about championing the best interests of everyone who uses water, now and in the future. So that was Arthur. Great to get a completely different perspective than just a purely UK perspective on all of this. Now, Karen, there is some irony in this, in this, in this episode because, because when we knew Arthur was coming on, we all did some prep in, uh, in you know, in, in, in advance of the podcast. And, yeah, and, and uh, let's just say out of the two hosts, I think you possibly did a lot more revision than I did in brushing up, you know, learning about Malawi. And then ironically, you couldn't actually make it on the day. So, so that was that was all wasted. Um, but what did you make of Arthur? I thought it was brilliant. And the, the fact that he, he articulated just how precious water is. And, I, you know, I, I think sometimes we lose sight of that in, in, in our country. Oh, absolutely. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it was just a lovely reminder of how fundamental uh, to our existence water is. <laughs> yeah, no, that's spawn. And, and Arthur really clearly set that out, didn't he? Um, so look, it was great to hear from Arthur. We're really short on time in this episode, so I, we've got to say goodbye now. This could have been double the length with all the stuff that we heard from Arthur. But um, but but don't forget, you can get in touch with the show. We have an email address. We do, and that is podcast at ccwater.org.uk. And don't forget, you can get in touch. We do love hearing from you. So it's goodbye from me, Mike. And it's goodbye from me, Karen. <laughs>